0: The Starbucks Pistachio Latte will transport you to your happy place. The comforting flavor of pistachio, warm espresso and milk, all with a brown buttery topping, makes today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app. Top tech companies like Intel have a secret to their success. They get the best talent, reliable infrastructure and save on costs by expanding in Ohio, the new Silicon Heartland. Learn how your business can succeed in Ohio. Visit successinohio.com. Hi, this is Leland Sklar,
1: and you are Digging Pantheon Podcast. Yes. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's
0: rock out with Martin. Martin Popoff back again for another episode of history and five songs with Martin Popoff brought to you by the good people at Pantheon podcast. We are part of the vast and growing Pantheon podcast network. They're all down at, uh, rock and pod right now. I think that's maybe ending right around now, but, uh, yeah, you can go on YouTube and see some, uh, some samples of what went down in Nashville at rock and pod, but they were a big part of that. Um, But we are available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. Uh, Okay, so this episode, uh, this is episode 111. We're calling this You Didn't Have to Be There. Now, this is the follow up on the last episode, which was about having to be there. Uh, so the, the whole idea of this, just to give you a little background, is when you're turning people on to music, um, long story, I'm going to be going on um, Sea of Tranquility and and uh, Pete's got this new concept going where, uh, you know, someone someone presents someone an album to try to uh, get them into um, and then the other one does the same and they compare notes, etc., so I, I started thinking this concept of there's certain things where you kind of had to be there um, to to be into them. Um, and that was the last episode. That was episode 110. And as I hinted in that episode, there's the flip side of that, where I think there are things that you can turn people on to in music, proselytize, just like a DJ. That's the fun of this, as I explained in the last episode, where... There's not really that element of you had to be there. You didn't need massive, massive context uh, to think these things are great. Now, we can have a debate. Are these things greater because of that? I would say not necessarily. They're greater on an objective level, on a flash level on a window dressing level but they're not necessarily greater than the you had to be there stuff and we're gonna we're gonna compare notes uh, on that so so here we go uh let's play our first selection uh these all have different contours and different parameters uh to how uh you know by the end of the five pieces uh it feels like you know i've explained myself take a listen to this this is the hounds with working on my cool Alright, so I wanted to pick this. This is The Hounds. They're a band. They were on, uh, is it Epic or is it, I always forget this, Epic or CBS? Columbia. Um, Columbia, uh, 78 and 79. Uh, They only made the two albums. Uh, they're from Chicago. I actually wrote up the story of both of these albums in that Ye old metal series book, that uh, series of books that I did. The 1979 one, I still have copies of that. So if anybody wants that, check out MartinPopoff.com. But there's the story of the second album called "Putting on the Dog" um, in that. So there's a whole chapter on this album. So this song that I just played you, "Working on My Cool," I wanted to pick this band to give the con uh, the contrast between the first album, "Unleashed," which has sort of of a punky cover um, and a little bit more punkier music and then the second one which has this this really bright bright blinding production uh sheen on it i think it's produced by jeff jeffrey lesser if i'm not mistaken this record yes jeffrey jeffrey lesser um, so the idea with this song itself. Now, if you go play this whole song, you know these guys are so rare that they're actually not even on Spotify, despite it only being 1979, and despite them being on a totally major label, Columbia. Um, this is not on Spotify. Neither of their two albums. Um, but go play this song in its entirety on YouTube, and uh, you'll you'll recognize the genius of it. Granted, I think it's the most face forward song. Where uh, I guess my point is to love this song, to realize how great this song is. And the rest of the album goes various places. There's some heavy stuff, some your stuff, some balladic stuff, ba- you know, ballads. A uh, neat thing about the album, it's it's got a song called The Moth and the Fire on it. It's got a song called Horses and it's got a song called Spiders. And, uh, and you know, it's uh, the, the band name is called Hounds. It's got a really good, heavy, slow one on here called Angel of Fire. Um, they cover Under My Thumb. Um, but, I wanted to pick this song in particular from this band's two albums in total because I I feel like um any smart music fan would listen to this and go wow that is a that is a great song You didn't have to be there because there was no there. I mean, there was no magic moment for the hounds in 1979 or 78 in terms of, you know, being part of the pop consciousness. If you like sticks, if you like Boston, if you like foreigner, if you like the idea of what should be or could be a smash radio hit, you can picture this song being a massive, massive uh, radio hit. It's called working on my cool, right? Pretty cool. Um, But I wanted to pick it for the contrast with the first album, which I think is just as good an album. I love both of these albums by this band, but the first one is a little grittier and a little more dated, right? Uh, the idea of being dated, um, goes into the, you had to be there category. Now, obviously, um, this song I played you is dated to to, uh, to a blinding production sheen of the late 70s of that pomp rock sort of thing. But it's the kind of dated that is still accessible. And all I want you to do with this song is picture it as that could have been a number one smash single and this band could have been absolutely massive. You go play the rest of the album and and it doesn't let you down in terms of like, yes, this could have been a massive, massive album with other singles on it as well. Even though this is the one that really stands out As, uh, as, you know, like I say, any sensible person can listen to that song. Uh, you know, go listen to the intro of it. There's really cool, complicated, proggy intro, which reminds you of, of that song on the, on the second Boston album, or is it the first album that does that? But, but it has that Boston-esque, uh, you know, epic, uh, intro, uh, with various parts before it, it, it settles down into the, you know, the clouds parting, gorgeous, melodic radio smash single, uh, part, um. So there you go. Uh so again, the contrast is the first album, you could play it, you could love it if you're into, you know, 70s hard rock and and you know, gritty urban uh you know, punky hard rock and rock and roll and the dictators maybe. Um you know, you you could you could love that album instantly, but the second one has that feel that you don't have to be there. You don't have to love this stuff, particularly any sensible person can see this as a hit. All right, let's move on. Our second selection, this is Kings X with Talk To You. I deserve- Okay, so this is actually our most famous band uh, on on this uh, this list of you didn't have to be there. Now, Pete and I recently we on Sea of Tranquility we ranked the King's X catalog, um, and people loved that episode. And people have been asking for Pete to do this for a long time. Why have they been asking Pete to do this for a long time? Because they know it's a you didn't have to be there band. Um, that they, they knew that that like wow on you know with all the firepower in this band. Pete should love this band. So it's it's essentially all of Pete's many, many fans on Sea of Tranquility trying to turn him on to a band where they're not feeling any reservations about. They're not feeling like you had to be there. They're not feeling like there was a context of a certain time and space and, and in the context of a scene with other bands. Yes, this is maybe the best of a bunch of bands that sound like this. No. Kings X... Uh, they record amazingly. They've got those huge harmonies. They've got Doug's big soulful vocals and Ty's, you know, other vocal, um, you know, giving, giving a contrast there. They're proggy. They're heavy. They use weird tunings. Uh, they tune. They are the, um, you know, the... Um, Metallica crossed with Beatles no one else sounds like them i mean in fact if anything they spawned a tiny scene that that branched out into the likes of galactic cowboys and atomic opera and awful truth but other than that you know kings x is the core band and there's no there's no million bands after kings x that sound like kings x where a young person would go back and say eh, yeah yeah the, you know the original is the original sure i i i realize that but it's not really as good as these 50 bands who copied King's X and do it way better years later. So there's none of that going on. Um, and Kings X are perennially rated, you know, comically rated as almost the the um the most underrated band of all time. So when people send these signals out to Pete and or say things like, you know, they're the most underrated band of all time, they're just saying this because it's a band where you didn't have to be there for them. In fact, as I remember going through the Kings X catalog with Pete, you you could you could pretty easily forget what years the albums came out because there's no real magic context about, oh, it was late and you know it was eighty-eight for the debut. And 89 for the next one and Dogman was 1994 and the years of grunge or post grunge. And then later on, you know, essentially starting with the likes of Tapehead, they all, they all essentially sound similar. Um, and they're just spread out over the two thousands or whatever. So there, so there's no element of you, you had to be there to, to, to get this. You don't have to be educated in, in like being presented some of the coolest Kings X stuff in, because any sensible music fan is going to listen to that and go, wow, why weren't these these guys bigger? That's the thing you hear about King's X constantly. Why weren't these guys superstars? And everybody kind of shakes their head and and you know has to move into things like, oh, they were too hard to categorize and stuff like that. So that's what happens. Um, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again here in History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. You didn't have to be there. See, the point with uh, having an episode call you didn't have to be there is that now you're in that pure zone of uh, of uh, loving turning on people to music like like why DJs love their their job so much why rock journalists love their job so much um, why doing this podcast is is fun um, but you know think about it uh, all the previous episodes I'm not I'm not particularly uh, across those episodes. Um, you know, dying to turn you on to some new band. You know, I was just bringing up themes and saying this fits in a theme, and ha ha, isn't that kind of cool? And these go together, and that goes together. So I'm I'm not doing that thing that a DJ loves to do, which is turn people on to to, to new music. But I'm actually doing that here with this one. Um, and, and so in the last episode, it wasn't really that way because because I'm almost apologizing for trying to turn you on to bands where you had to be there in some way, right? Um, here, there's no apologies. Here, I'm, I'm saying, look, you're stupid if you don't realize these people are geniuses. That's really point blank what's happening here with these bands. Um, so 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 it's like, you know, if you have half a brain, you'll realize how great this stuff is. Whereas with the You Had to Be There, uh, like, you know, I picked some kind of lower grade punk. I, I, I picked the vibrators last episode, right? It's like, well, I can, I can totally understand uh, if you don't love this because you had to be there. And, you know, sensibly, you know, there's a lot of reasons not to think this is so great. Um, and so that's, that's really, you know, one of the big distinguishing points. Um, so take a listen to this. This is our third selection. This is Last Crack with Energy Mind. Well, I peel back my eyes
1: and I suck.
0: All right, so last crack. Um, what can I say about this that I haven't said before? Um, you know, not a lot. In that, um, it's definitely a you didn't have to be there, band, because there was no there, because there was no famed uh, time for last crack. I mean, the 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 debut, Sinister Funk House Number no. Seventeen, with that famous shot of Butto naked on the cover and you know red paint splattered on the on the wall. Uh, you know, they're coming out on Roadrunner. Um, but this one I played, uh, played you here is from their second and last album. Uh, they had a live album and I think they might have a reunion thing. I I can't quite remember. I should know that. Um, but anyways, um, burning time came out uh 1991 and energy mind is from that produced exquisitely by dave jordan so here's something i can bring up um you know the one of the concepts with you didn't have to be their band is that the production should be absolutely amazing uh there should be there should be no reservations about saying geez that sounds kind of old and raw and oh they use too much reverb on that and blah 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 you know which is which is the complaints you can have with the with a uh, you had to be there kind of band right um so this production is incredible it's just pristine it's awesome uh they're really proggy they're even messianic in a way in fact on the front cover Butto was there you know uh with his arms stretched out he's got no shirt on he looks like jim morrison he's he's praying to this candle and there's this weird demon in the background um Really, really cool, complicated, proggy, but super interesting and even stadium rocking and anthemic sort of album where, um, you know, it's a little bit too odd to say that, um, you know, these guys should have been massive, but they they could have been much more, you know, bigger than they were at least on the level of a King's X. But you've got song titles like Wicked Sandbox, Mini Toboggan, uh, Precious Human Stress, Kiss A the Cold, Love, Craig, uh, Mac Balassus, Blue Fly, uh, Fish Sky, Papa Magaya. I mean, start to finish, this Burning Time album is a drop-dead classic of a definitely you didn't have to be there. Just, you know, if if you're into good music, that's kind of the idea, right? If you're into good music, objectively good music, well-put-together music, This brings up another point. I'm not going to go into every point about this, but the idea of, wow, this is a big point. This could be a whole episode. The idea of prog being perfect music, classical music being perfect music, K-pop being perfect music, pop on Virgin Radio being perfect music. And what I mean by that is the idea that there's music just so absolutely made perfect for perfection in every way to, to deliver, to deliver a hook to your head or whatever, um, that, that, you know, uh, on an objective level, you can't call it bad, right? You can call venom bad on an objective level. You can call black metal bad on an objective level, death metal. Um, you could call, uh, you know, what is a, you know, drone music, whatever that there's, there's a lot of things where, uh you know it's like the difference between beer being a taste for an adult versus something like a kid would spit out or coffee right the idea you know music that you have to work for later on is more adult music but there's music that on an objective level um you know is just let's not let's not go totally into that but but yeah last crack burning time uh a- including the debut sinister funk house number 17 check it out um but yeah, I, I think that's basically a you didn't have to be there again because there was no there. There was no fame. It's just the 90s, you know, whatever. You know, I, I'm putting down, you know, part, part of this is uh, is me being ageist and realizing that there are magic times. Of course, if you were 17 in 1990, there's there's a lot more magic around certain things. But um, But I'm combining that. Again, I'm combining that with the fact that, yeah, they weren't really famous and blah, blah, blah. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, this is track four The Tea Party with Fire in the Head. Fire in the Head.
1: You stay silent, knowing always in time. See how this love stays nearby. This love
0: stays all right so i wanted to pick this canadian band you know i've said before that i was i was horrified and thought the tea party were incredibly pretentious on their debut and i think the second one is splendor solace there's a there's a scrappy debut version i think anyways the big one was the edges of twilight and i wanted to pick the first uh, track off of that because that's where you know the skies broke open and i realized these guys were absolute geniuses and they're operating on a true you didn't have to be their level now a lot of people the funny thing about this band and it is funny it is comical um jeff martin pretty 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 boring basic name <laughs> canadian um but uh that's where the the basicness ends he looks like jim morrison and he sounds like jim morrison now he's on top of a band that sounds like led zeppelin and U2, and I want to talk about U2 in a little a little bit about this, but that was the funny shtick about this band that had you either loving them or hating them, and I hated them and then loved them, and then and then they just got better and better, and they're this absolute genius band who puts so much work into their albums, records amazing, some of it's heavy, but they have no parameters, they can do anything, but here's where the U2 comes in, okay. So I picked these guys because I wanted to talk about the idea of messianic, right? Um, You know, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA, magical messianic moment. Peter Gabriel, uh, melted face, certainly into security, messianic. You too, the most messianic band there is, right? You think of, uh, you know, war going into Joshua Tree, uh, not Joshua Tree, but Unforgettable Fire, definitely. And then Joshua Tree as well. Super messianic, you know, but they had the Christian side of it. And they, you know, Bona 1, you save the world and all that. There's reasons you people call the messianic, right? But so here's the thing. You compare the messianicness of the Tea Party and the messianicness of U2, and U2 can be seen as a little bit of a you-had-to-be-there band. And if you were there, it was a magical, magical, magical time, 83 through through 87 for U2. you know if you were there it's very very simple to think this is the greatest band in the world the next led zeppelin they're they're literally the the led zeppelin of the 80s right people may forget that now because they've come into lots of ridicule and you know oh they're dad music or whatever cuz we're decades and decades later right um but the idea is um if you if you just played the u2 albums and you just played the tea party albums for someone with zero context what for whatsoever I think I think the sensible, all-rounded, objective music fan is just going to look at the Tea Party and say, these guys are better than you, too. That's a little bit of this concept of you had to be there or you didn't have to be there. Um, but yeah, go, go check out Tea Party. Um, they do a lot of amazing things. The production is incredible. It's timeless. Um, there are so many strange, exotic sounds and instruments. Um, but yeah, they definitely have this thing that might rub you the wrong way. Where you've got a guy that looks like Jim Morrison, sounding like Jim Morrison, on top of a band who sound like Led Zeppelin. Uh, unfortunately, and this is not the Tea Party's fault, but there's something called Greta Van Fleet, right, um, which which is uh, which can rub people the wrong way about bands who think they're Led Zeppelin right? That's not the Tea Party's fault. Tea Party is, and that's the other thing about Tea Party. They're super, super literary. Um, like I say, the albums are long and complicated and have all sorts of stuff. They do they do the deepest, most guttural blues better than most bands. Uh, they do this Zeppelin thing better than most bands who sound like Zeppelin. Um, just an amazing, amazing band of super, super smart, you know, wise Swami music guys. Um, all right, let's move on. Our last selection, Uh, take a listen to this. This is Helix with Billy Oxygen. All right, so this represents a whole different kind of thing. So so I'll give you a little history about this song. Helix obviously turned into a really good, you know, gritty hair metal party band uh, from Canada. They they had some fame starting off with those capital years, uh, you know, Walking the Razor's Edge and Wild in the Streets and all that, Long Way to Heaven. Um Good stuff. Really good band live. Brian Vollmer's amazing. But they had these first two albums that were just indie released. Uh, I believe they were based in Ottawa at the time. Uh, This is off of their first album called called, uh, Breaking Loose. Um, And what I love about this song, funny thing is, and this also isn't on Spotify, um, but... I wanted to play this for you um and well I'll tell you the funny thing first of all so so when I went to play it to pick my little 30 second segment I had to go to YouTube and I go there and it's like in the comments my name's in every comment because what happened was is, is I was on Sea of Tranquility and I and I brought this song up uh, I can't remember why um but anyways I brought it up so a bunch of people heard that episode and they went over and played it and they were all commenting on it but the idea with this song and why it's here is a little bit like, I, I picked it as an obscurity that I I will love turning people onto because I think the song is an absolute laugh riot. It's It's epic, it's humorous, it's got a ton of parts, it's tightly recorded and played, it's flashy. And that's the idea here. So... So this is a, you didn't have to be there again because there was no there, but because it's just such an irresistible song for its flashiness. So what it's representing here in the number five s- slot is Bohemian Rhapsody, carry on wayward son, walk this way head East. Never been a reason. i uh, never been any reason, whatever it's called uh, Ram Jam, Black Betty, even a little bit of a Manfred Mann slash Bruce Springsteen blinded by the light, right? Is that what it's called? Um, so the idea is here that... Um, any idiot can love this song and those songs that I just named because there's so much funny stuff going on. Sweet action, right? Um, even Ballroom Blitz. There's flashy little hooky things that everybody's doing where you go, oh, look over here, look over here, look over here. There's just little little funny explosions going off all over the place where, you, where anybody can just be swept up into the enthusiasm of the song. Now, that's different from Wish You Were Here, Hotel California, Stairway to Heaven, where they're not flashy songs but they're considered the greatest songs of all time right all these songs you know uh the nirvana song uh well the nirvana song actually what the heck's it called Sm- smells like teen spirit ha- It is, is has got a little bit of flash to it as well because of the um you know the the massive change in dynamics between them and the in the anthemic chorus but um all i'm saying here and and why i've picked this is that um it's much more sensible to love uh, pretty easily and objectively a flashy song like Bohemian Rhapsody or Billy Oxygen uh, than it is to like those other ones because those other ones are so swept up in the weight of their history and the context and and who the band is and who the people making it uh, are. Um, uh, how massive they were, uh, where it fits on the album conceptually, uh, you know, so... so, so some of the greatest songs, I guess my point is some of the greatest songs of all time are are there, but they're not flashy. Uh, and and they have an element of you had to be there. But Billy Oxygen doesn't have an element of you had to be there. It's just you play it for someone and they go, wow, that is pretty remarkable. That is pretty strange. Um, so there you go. That's our episode. Um, I wanted to just... Uh, Let's see how much time do we got. I don't want to go too long, but I wanted to mention a, a few uh, people who commented on this concept uh, in the in the Facebook page. Uh, Don, uh, you know, Don wants to say kind of anonymous, um. So I'm just going to stop at that. Uh, All music is created at a specific time and place. After that moment of creation, it is no longer static in that way. Asserting you had to be there, or you had to experience from my perspective at a particular juncture in my development, to assign qualitative value to it is merely how the human mind attempts to understand its own preferences at best and persuade others in search of validation at worst. In other words, there's no music that pleases me that had to be created at a specific time. There's no music that seemingly speaks only to me garnering my favor. This is why my brain can be pleased by a 14th century lullaby or song that will be created next year. There's a lot in that. Um, I, I, Not even sure if I'm agreeing or not agreeing. Uh, Anyways, she goes on. I am a total jerk about music and quick to tell others the music they like is terrible. It is terrible to me and of that I am certain, as certain as I am, as all music is perfect to the person who loves it. You question whether you argued your theory well. Perhaps that is because some part of you subconsciously aware that there is no objective measure measure of music as our brains are only uh, able to experience it subjectively and absolutely individually. So here I am totally disagreeing. This is why I've split this up into two episodes. I think I think the music in the you don't have or you have to be there uh is uh you have to uh everybody looks at that more subjectively and the music in the you didn't have to be there is more objectively uh, easy to understand as great that's the whole idea uh, anyways um i'll uh, i'll just move on uh you know she's got more good stuff go to the facebook page and read this steve polari writes love this episode i did martin's homework simon he gave highway child storybook heroes a listen. i have to say i couldn't get past the heavily gated drums and guitars saturated in reverb 80s production so that was kind of my point uh that feels like a little bit more of a you had to be there i think a lot of 80s production is a victim of new technology being available producers were going uh crazy tim by the replacements is an amazing album but the production dates it It works on the closing tune uh then on the opposite end of the spectrum you had the alternate rock scene with labels like ssd blah 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 steve steve bellow says I always said I was born too late. I wish I I was there for the first Zeppelin album, the first time people heard Hendrix. But now I have students asking me what it was like when I first heard Metallica for the first time. So we all wish we had to be somewhere at some point in life. I light up when someone tells me about I was in high school when I heard the first Sabbath album. There is no best time per se, but to someone the nostalgia is deep. So take that for what it is. Uh, That's a little bit about how... There is weight to the you had to be there. Eric J. Peterson says, I love the Nuggets talk. A cool episode would be you talking about tracks from that set. One of the things I think we miss out on box sets like Nuggets. Going away is a curated way to help people navigate older scenes, sounds and styles. Uh, for instance, with uh, without an L.A. punk version of Nuggets, people are going to find X Social Distortion, T.S.O.L., the Minuteman Black Flag, and maybe the gun, flag, but are, uh, gun Club, but not going to be exposed to 45 gray. A grave legal weapon, the dills or the flesh eater. So there's, there's a point. Um, again, uh, that's why I picked Nuggets because it was all contextual. Tegan Evans writes, I feel like the new version of box sets will absolutely be, and probably currently is today, online video channels. They will always be people. There will always be people talking about the past, and reminding others to track down hidden gems. Um, Let's see, Blaze Barshaw, awesome show. A topic I've thought a lot about. Loved your last line. I have all but given up on trying to enlighten any anyone on a band I love, especially to the casual music fan. And it seems the older one is less likely you will be able to get your point across, at least with the younger people who are trying to get into the new. um So that again is a little bit of the point um, uh, of these two episodes combined. I see, I see less success in trying to turn somebody onto a you had to be there situation, but I see uh, percentage wise, mathematically more success trying to turn somebody onto a you didn't have to be there uh, type thing. Uh, Adam Morris says, Martin, you explained exactly why I find it hard to listen to 70s Judas Priest. It just sounds dated with wimpy guitars. The same songs sound live great, but I can't get into the studio album. So, there is my point, right? Uh, thank you for that, Adam. It's exactly right. Um, British Steel has. Has a more modern sound where I can begin listening to the album. So so the point there uh was a little bit of the point of uh, did I pick a song like that? Anyways, the idea is bluntly, uh it's pretty it's pretty objectively easier to like firepower than it is to like stained class. Yet most fans uh, until they start, the old ones start dying off, most fans are going to say Stained Class is the classic, right? Not Firepower. Um, Reed Little writes, I love the idea of punk as the abstract art version of music. That section of the episode was probably the one that most resonated. I was just a hair too young to listen to punk, and if I try to listen to it now, it just makes me wonder what people saw in it back in the day. Exactly, exactly, Reed. That's the point of that episode uh, and this one. I I, int- I intend to thoroughly explore post-punk someday. Maybe after that, I'll work my way back to actual punk oh and thanks for the name check uh, so there you go um Let's leave it at that. Uh, if you liked this show and want to support future episodes, of course, I've got the Kofi thing. Um, and like I say, every week you guys come through, thank you very much. It comes just right to the right amount where you say, Hey, I made, I, I made a decent, uh, hourly wage on putting this episode together. So there's a red support button there. You click on it. It's $3. Some people do three and six and nine and, uh, whatever. Uh, it's all appreciated. You know, it says, buy me a coffee or buy me a pint there. Um, on that front, uh, I want to thank this week uh, Grant Arthur, Blaze Barshaw, Black Sugar Transmission, Andy, uh, Bruce Campbell, Simon Cole, Don the Chaldian, very, very um, uh, generous. Thank you very much. Lee Clifford, David Fisher, Jeremy French, Kevin Latham, Augustin Garcia D. Paredes, Brian Sager, Eric Saunderson, and Patricio Smart. Um, there you go. You go to martinpopoff.com. For the books, of course. Um, like I say, I just got in the Rush album by album again. I was very surprised to be, see any copies of that, um, and uh, and I've I've got all of the uh, the visual biographies as well. Um, yeah, let's just leave it at that. MartinPopoff.com for the books. Uh, go play some of this stuff. I mean, this is this is like I say, this is where I'm really excited for you to go play these bands and get turned on to these bands or these songs. Not all of these. I mean, Helix. I'm not. I'm not trying to turn you on to the band Helix. I'm just literally trying to turn you on to Billy Oxygen there. Um, but the other ones, all of all of them, really are are. I'm trying to turn you on to the bands as well. So go play this stuff. Until next time, uh, go play some Last Crack.
1: at R&R Archaeology.
0: Explore today's must-have trends and innovative styles at Mrs. B's Clearance and Outlet. Shop one-of-a-kind finds in today's must-have trends. Explore wall-to-wall deals, furniture, flooring, mattresses, home accents, seasonal favorites, and more. Discover unique new home decor, pillows, accessories, and more. There's something perfect for your style and budget. There's new inventory every day at up to 80% off suggested retail. Discover the style and savings of Mrs. B's Clearance and Outlet.
1: With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you can find options that fit your budget. Because giving you options is the right thing to do.